When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bucketheads episode 41 of Lane Grant Holy Lands College Basketball Podcast. Uh, we are back for the 41st edition of whatever the hell we do every two weeks here, and it'll be back to every week in October. Today we are talking about TBT, the basketball tournament. We have former Ohio State guard Joey Lane on today, um, who is now our second two-time guest that is named Joe. Um, Justin, we had a pretty good talk with Joey today, don't you think? Yeah, it's always fun to talk about TBT. Uh, you know, obviously we get into it, even though Carmen's crew isn't playing this year, but you know, it's always fun to still discuss the tournament because it's such a fun and uh, there's so many tournaments that do so, so much good for charities and in organization so it's always fun to talk with joey about it because he's one of the people that is really on the front lines of, of the media coverage for them yeah he's he's good because he's got the big 10 and the ohio state uh insight but he's also got more yeah like you said more more tbt info than uh than most people do and we did ask about carmen's crew and kind of why he thinks they aren't playing again so we got probably the most detailed answer of why they aren't playing from him than we have probably gotten from anybody else this entire summer. So that was pretty good. But anyway, before we uh, get to Joey and TBT, um, there is a few Big Ten related things that happened this week. Most notably, um, the Big Ten, the resident Midwest Conference, you know, the, all the Midwest states, the Plains states, they added a couple more Midwest states to the Big Ten in UCLA and USC this week. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, when you when you see these kind of the 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 conferences merge and whatnot, you kind of just immediately just start to think about football. Uh, but it's going to have basketball implications too. Uh, they said this is going to happen for every sport outside of one of them, but I forget which one it was. It wasn't basketball, so it doesn't matter. Um, so they're going to be joining the Big Ten for basketball. We talked about this before we jumped on. It's probably more pressing for basketball because. USC and UCLA, shockingly enough, are two better basketball programs than they are football right now. So, you know, UCLA is a, uh, I would, I wouldn't say perennial Final Four Elite Eight candidate, but the past three, two or three years, they've made their names known and they've done some great things uh, under Mick Cronin. And then um, USC is a very solid program. I think, I mean, probably similar to Ohio State, right? You know, they're they're not making these deep tournament runs, but they're a player in the conference and they seem to squeak out, you know, a, a, a higher single-digit seed every year. So 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. It'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of recruiting implications with this that you know people aren't really talking about. Um, obviously, the travel is unbelievable. The fact that UCLA could travel to like Maryland uh, to play a basketball game is wild. Um, just you know, for like a non-tournament thing. But we'll see. I, I mean, I, I like it. I think it's. I think it's a little twist. I think it's kind of fun. The whole super conference aspect, we don't really have to get into, but I'm not sure that's amazing. But, um, you know, spice of life, I guess. It's better than Rutgers and Maryland joining the Big Ten, which for basketball really had zero implications at the time. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, I think that's kind of like the boomer opinion, but I also don't – I feel like the boomer opinion in this scenario is actually the very popular opinion, that it was a money grab – I, I read somewhere that UCLA was like in debt and joining the Big Ten is, is going to definitely make them some money with the TV contracts and stuff. Um, but I just, I think that conferences, what's fun about conferences in college sports is the, the regional aspect of it. Um, the, the, the border battles between Ohio State and Michigan and the Iron Bowl between you know, Alabama and, and Auburn, um, just like these regional rivalries where you have two schools who are within driving distance and the fans despise each other and the teams despise each other and they won't even say each other's name. And it's just, it's all because it's so regional and, and everybody is so close. And then you throw UCLA and USC in and it's like, okay, um, in a basketball sense, it's going to be weird when USC has a road game on a Thursday night at Northwestern. And then it's like, oh, you guys do have a home game Saturday night though against Iowa 48 hours later, but across the country. Um, it just doesn't sound right to me. I just, I does I don't like it. Yeah. I think it's a, um, I, I think you have to kind of pray that they schedule with a tiny bit of common sense. They normally don't. So, um, but this is kind of like forcing their hand because I mean, people thought Nebraska was far, California is wild. So it'll be very interesting to see kind of if they, if they do schedule with all this stuff in mind, or if they, you know, obviously there's with they're pushing towards basically a 20 team league. Do you not play these teams often? You still want Ohio state to play their normal, the Michigan States, the Purdue's, the Michigan's of the world twice. You know, do you only play one team once a year? I, I don't know. For football, it's a little bit easier because you can't play every team once a year. So you just accept that. For basketball, you still could. You basically have to make a decision of are you going to not play certain teams certain years and still play certain teams twice, you know, home and away, or are you just going to play one team every year um, or only play every team once a year? You know what I'm saying? So that'll be kind of – because they already play – they play 20 conference games right now. So that'll be where I think it gets kind of dicey. I think you hit the nail on the head too at the beginning that like most of these conference realignment stuff – happens with uh with football is the main thing in mind like that's where the biggest money maker is is football but i agree that adding usc and and ucla to the big 10 is going to um how do i word this it's going to make it harder on ohio state to win a big 10 title in men's basketball than it will be for ohio state football to win a big 10 title i don't think that USC or UCLA jumps into the Big Ten and is immediately like definitely not a top two football program. I think that Ohio State and Michigan are are like 
one and two in the Big Ten in football, and maybe USC slides into three with like Lincoln Riley and all the new stuff going on. Um, and then UCLA, they're just they have not been very good lately. But in basketball, like you said, UCLA is is very good, and USC has been a consistent tournament team. Um, they're going to be two good teams in the Big Ten Conference in basketball, which is just going to make it that much harder for Ohio State to win a title. Yeah, no, it, it definitely. I mean, it also sets up some fun matchups with you know kind of tradition history when you talk about like UCLA, Michigan State, you know, stuff like that. So, um, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I'm excited for it. I'm nervous about it. It's kind of a weird. We're in kind of a weird flux. As a, I'm a, I've said this multiple times. I'm a huge golf fan as well and i don't like change so what sports are doing to me right now when it comes to like conference realignment football you know basketball players are changing left and right i'm trying to figure out rosters i got live golf happening with the pga tour it's it when it was some for someone does not like change this has been a nightmare so i'll tell you that much uh bryce sensible dropped 51 points in the kingdom summer league which um it's kind of just like a summer league in columbus yeah, we're yeah, I'm just, we're just we're jumping around. We're hitting we're we're hitting all the the loose ends here before the interview. Sense about 51 points, Kingdom Summer League, which is basically a league where you have incoming college freshmen. I don't know if like high schoolers are allowed to play, but then you also have like like Trey Burke played last weekend. So you have like NBA play everything from NBA players to like local JUCO players to like local D1 players play and um, incoming freshman Bryce Sensabaugh dropped 51 points which prompted Adam Jardy, who we talked about earlier, Columbus Dispatch's Adam Jardy, another friend of the pod. Um, he said, I expect a Malachi Branham-type season from Bryce Sensiball. So Adam Jardy has seen enough. He is he, he is uh, on the Bryce Sensiball wagon already. Yeah, uh, to just say one thing real quick, Devin Royal did play in the Kingdom League. So um, apparently it's rare, but high school, high school players can play. I don't even really know what to – I don't know what the real takeaway is. I'm sure there's going to be – we never seem to really find the, the middle ground when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's either, oh, who cares? It's a summer league. He's still a freshman, blah, blah, blah. Or it's, oh, my God, this dude's going to be amazing. And then we start to set the bar too high and make it unfair for the players. Um, I'm still expecting what I expected at the beginning from Bryce Sensenbaugh. There's still only so many minutes to go around on a very talented team. I think he's going to play 15, 20 minutes a game. I don't expect a Malachi Branham type season because I don't expect him to play 40 minutes a game. That's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, maybe in but terms of score, efficiency. Right, but could he score 13 points a game over 25 right. minutes well, a game? I, I guess that kind of depends on <laughs> what you consider Malachi Branham's season to be because the first 10 games weren't great, you know, and then he got, then he went nuclear. You know what I mean? If he would have done that the whole season, he would have averaged 22 points per game. So I guess if you find somewhere in the middle there of what he actually averaged, which was like you said, 13 points a game. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it seems like he was very efficient. You know, we know he's going to be one of the better shooters on the team, um, which is all, you know, I, I think it was I think it was Holtman that said he doesn't know what he is. He does. He has never really. He doesn't know what defenses are going to do. He's never had a player like him. Um, so yeah, we're and also watching him. I don't know what he is either. I mean, he's he's kind of doing a little bit of everything. You know, my favorite clip was him. He went up for a sky-high dunk, missed it, got his own rebound, then knocked down a three. It's like you're kind of doing everything at once. So, Which makes you wonder how good is the defense in the Kingdom Summer League that he was able to do that. 
Yeah, and, and that's another thing. It's a summer league game, kind of an expedition. Like you said, you're playing – Ron Lewis is playing Devin Royal. You know what I mean? I mean, those guys Ron, – Ron Lewis has to be twice his age. So, you know, there's a lot going on in that league. And, like, that's why I don't take anything away from this. I, it's still just my normal – my I wouldn't say my normal expectation. I expect a little more now, obviously, because I had him as, like, my third most excited freshman. Now I'm pro- Now he's probably up there as my most excited to watch. I still think Bruce Thornton probably plays the most out of the freshmen. And I still think Roddy Gale might be the most exciting of the freshmen. And I still think Felix Alpar might be the most important of the freshmen. But uh, I do think Bryce is is looking like he's going to be very impactful very soon, which is something this team's going to – they need all pretty much – I'll say four freshmen because I'm going to assume Bowen Hardman probably redshirts just because, like I said, there's only so many minutes to go around. But – um and they probably want to hold on to him for, you know, if he's not going to play that much, you might as well redshirt him. So, you know, I'm very excited to see what he can do, but they all have to do something. So um, it'll be very – it'll be – like you know, we, we kind of talked about it last week or two weeks ago. Their schedule starts right away. You know, they're going to – their first eight games, they're probably going to play five ranked teams, four ranked teams. So hopefully this will translate quick. One thing that was super funny – um, I saw in one of his like highlight clips was <laughs> Bryce Sensabaugh's team was going against um, Andre Wesson's team, and Bryce Sensabaugh just took—I mean, he just took Andre Wesson straight to the rack and scored over top of him. And then as he ran back, did like the rock the baby little thing, you know, like oh he's a baby. I was like, hey, hey, okay, all right, calm down. Let's let's let's. Uh, oh. oh, all right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. We are not going to do Andre Wesson like that. Not on this podcast. Um, that is a fan he'll, favorite. He'll be a lot of uh, he'll be a lot of fun as long as he doesn't ever do that shit again. Anyway, um, I do I do want to say real quick. I do want to say real quick just on the Sensabaugh thing. Uh, this is a quote from Trey Burke. I never seen him play, but I am impressed. This is. Uh, thanks to Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch. Always quotes resources. Very impressed. The kid's not scared. Very competitive. Didn't back down from the challenge. Very athletic. I like his game, man. The sky's the limit for him. I told him after the game what I saw tonight. I want to see this year. I'm expecting big things. That is from Trey Burke. So do with what do with what you will because those are very high praises as well. It's going to be fun. We've been saying for a while that that freshman class is – going to be fun to watch even if ohio state doesn't end up being great those guys are going to be really fun to watch what else we got here ej liddell and malachi brandon are nba players now that's a big deal yeah we're going to look back on that nba draft i think as when we truly learned nba gms are stupid that's where i'm taking away from it uh some of the players before ej liddell i look we watch a lot of college hoops man I don't get it. I don't understand how you could watch the past season and take Max Christie over EJ Liddell. I don't how he, I don't understand how you could be the Lakers and do that. Well, I, you know, the Lakers are the Lakers. We'll ignore them. But I mean, to some of the like you know, oh, I and look, I do think this is going to end up being outside of the money aspects of it because there's a lot more guaranteed money for first round picks. I do think this is going to end up being a beautiful fit for EJ Liddell. The Pelicans are a young team, a lot of young talent. He's pretty much going to be Zion's backup, so we'll see what 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 Zion is. But I think Zion will be fine. Um, I I I fear for defenses to where you see Zion, you finally get a break from Zion and EJ Liddell come sprinting in. Good luck. Um, you know he doesn't have to contribute. He doesn't have to be a fifteen points per game guy right away. You know he's probably going to be 
deeper in their second unit. So he'll probably play 10 to 15 minutes a game, which is good. I do think he still landed on not on a contender, but on an outside contender, right? The Pelicans, I, their playoff team, probably the five to nine range in the, in the Western conference, maybe a little bit higher depending on Zion. Um, Malachi I was a little surprised he fell. He didn't fall crazy far. He just to 20. I was a little surprised he got past like the 15 range. It seemed like he might go right after the pick right after the Cavs if the Cavs didn't take him to the Hawks, but um, he didn't fall crazy far. And I like what the Spurs are doing. Um, he's pretty much going to be Lonnie Walker's replacement. So, yeah, I I, I don't know why Eugene Liddell fell that far. Um, I'm glad it didn't seem to really taint his spirit, which is cool because that can really knock a kid down. But, um, you know, he seems still really excited to go to New Orleans, and I think he's going to – I think he's going to make a lot of teams regret that decision. Um, I'm assuming that anybody that's listening to this in July probably already knows, but yeah, Malachi went 20 to the Spurs and one second here. And then uh, EJ went, what's he, what was he eventually? 40, what was he? 41 to the Pelicans. Did the Spurs get rid of Lonnie Walker? Cause they also just traded Murray to the Hawks. I, I, I believe I saw today Lonnie Walker sign. Let me real quick, pull it up and make sure. I believe he's – yeah, he signed with the Lakers. Um, so, yeah. Because, so, I mean, that, Lonnie Walker's would, with the Lakers. So, I mean, at first it was like – I was looking like, okay, they took Jeremy Sokan from the from Baylor and the Spurs still had a couple guards, but they've pretty much cleaned house at this point that Malachi Branham is probably going to get some legit minutes for a bad team, but he's going to get some minutes. My concern with EJ and, again – I I don't really watch the NBA, so correct me if I'm wrong. Is it is it a given that EJ is going to even make their roster, or could he end up in the G League for part of the season? Because that's what frustrated me is that he was supposed to be a first round pick, expected to be a first round pick. His stock was going up, not down, as we went into draft day. He had the highest vertical leap of anybody. Pretty much has an answer for every criticism you could think of, because that's why he came back to work on. Um, how quickly he can move around the perimeter. Can he move quick enough to guard different guys? Is he athletic enough? Is he quick enough? Um, he's a second round pick, so he's by no means a guarantee to even make the team. Like, could EJ Liddell end up spending the better part of this year in the G League? I mean, he, abs- he could. I just don't think he will. When you look at the Pelicans roster, I think there is a spot for him. Um, you know, and, and I, I just think that he he is he can provide a strong benefit to that team specifically. So I, I do think he'll, he'll he'll find a way to carve out some – anything's possible. I do think he'll find a way to carve out some minutes. And then for the Spurs, they, they just seem to be that they are investing in their young guards in terms of Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, who's kind of more of a guard forward, and then Malachi Branham's right on that list. So it'll be it'll – be, I, mean, I, think, I think both of them have strong roles on the team they're on. Obviously, EJ will have to work to make the team because there's a lot of young, talented guys on there. But a lot of the Pelicans – kind of eight through 13 guys are still question marks. And I think that'll benefit EJ. I mean, Andy Katz, who is like, I think he, his main job now is just working for big 10 network. I thought that Andy Katz was going to have an aneurysm uh, on draft night. Like he kept tweeting about like EJ Odell. still out there, EJ Odell is going to be the absolute steal of this draft. Can't believe EJ Odell is still out there starting at like pick 21. It was like, here's my best available players at like pick 21. EJ Liddell is my number one best available player at pick 21. 20 picks later, EJ Liddell is still my best available play- player right now. We're at pick 40 now. Um, I just, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't have an answer for why he fell that far. Um, people were saying like, he's just too slow. Like that's why Kata Bates Diop fell to 48 a few years ago is because they're saying he's just, he's not super athletic and quick with his feet to guard different spots. And I think that EJ Liddell is more athletic and quicker than Kata yeah, Bates Diop and more versatile and more versatile on defense than Kata. Like I, I understand why Kata fell. I disagree with that same argument against EJ Liddell. I very much disagree. Yeah, I 100% disagree with that. I think if you think that you didn't watch him this year, um, he did a great job. And of, I mean, of, we're not GMs, well, so said, clearly we're missing something. Yeah, and then look, when it comes to something like that of like everybody's passing on him, maybe there's something there. I just – I don't know. And Kato was a year older to too. His, yeah, maybe there's something – I was just going to say, maybe there's something to his age even though he's not that old. I don't know. I just I, – I just – I was pissed. The Cavs his, somehow he came back around. The Cavs second round pick could have taken him, and they took Khalifa Diop. And I was pissed about that. I thought Liddell would fit. We talked about you know Brandon at fourteen would have been cool to the Cavs. His fit was nice. Liddell would have fit like a glove, but whatever. I mean, we were we were joking with when we had Joe Gamma on. It was, you know, we were joking with him when we, he was like, we're like, oh, if the Cavs don't take him with fourteen or thirty nine, like joking about how oh the Cavs probably won't be able to take him at thirty nine, like. He was because we assumed he wouldn't be there at 39. <laughs> and yeah, there he was. He's he's a year younger than Kato was. Uh, Kato had finished up his junior season, but he also redshirted a year. So Kato was actually 22 years old and EJ's is 21. So I, I don't know. I, I was I was upset for him. Um, it sucks. It, it sucks he had to wait that long when you're getting so much feedback that's saying you're going to be a first round pick. Um if he would have stayed in the, if he would have stayed in school for another year, it wouldn't have changed anything. He probably wouldn't have been drafted if he stayed in school for another year because age is one of the biggest things they knock people for. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm scratching my head. I hope, I, I hope that he gets an opportunity to make an impact with the Pelicans and not have to, um, you know, work his way up from the G League because I, I think that he's a first round talent and he, he should be on a, on, like on the big team. <laughs> yeah, and and look, let's be very honest. Let's not act like. GMs always get it, you know, just because he's falling doesn't mean the GMs are right. He could very well just, I mean, Pelican is hilarious. I popped over. It's always interesting when something happens to pop over to Twitter. Pelican's Twitter, they might make EJ Liddell's jersey the number one bought jersey. I mean, they were They should be excited. And they should be excited, absolutely. But they were ecstatic that EJ Liddell fell fell to to him. So, yeah. They got somebody else Dyson Daniels, G Leaguer in the in the in yeah. the first round. Okay. Yeah, they, they they had a pretty good draft, honestly. For look, who else? These guys that went before Egypt, man. I'm, I, I got we got to get off the soapbox too soon because at this point we're just talking through our feelings. Um, Caleb Houston went before EJ Liddell. Yes, Peyton Watson, Peyton who, Watson who, is, is egregious. <laughs> Peyton Watson, who for the record two weeks ago. Well, we for the record, we'll never Watson come on this podcast because we got to stop bringing his name up. <laughs> Peyton Watson, for the record, we did say two weeks ago or four weeks ago that Peyton Watson was probably going to be a first-round pick. I just assumed that he was going to be taken somewhere after EJ Liddell. We did say he was probably going to be a first-round pick. Peyton Watson averaged like fucking three points a game. He goes before EJ Liddell. Caleb Houston goes before EJ Liddell. You said Max Max Christie goes before EJ Liddell. Um he was the first pick of the second round, I believe. Max Christie was uh, pick thirty-five. 
Okay, so one of the first ones, not the first. Like, who else went before E.J. Liddell? Um, who else was, was ridiculous they went before E.J. Liddell? Chet Holmgren. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chet Holmgren, you know. Um, I would say <laughs> I would say, Walker, I would say maybe even Walker Kessler, question mark, is kind of, I think that E.J. Liddell will probably end up being a better pro than Walker Kessler. Um, Walker Kessler's already else? been traded, so twice. Walker, in his defense, Walker, so. I, yeah, I don't know who Walker Kessler plays for. I don't care. Um, he yeah, got drafted by the Grizzlies, was, traded in Minnesota on draft night, and then he's already been traded to the Jazz. So he's he doesn't know where to look at apartments.com. <laughs> I'm just so hurt for EJ Liddell. I hope that I, he'll have an opportunity see, I, to make see, that I roster. I am hurt for him. I, I am hurt for him, but like I said, I think he'll make the roster, and as long as he does, I, it's it's an amazing fit. The Pelicans is an amazing fit, so I, I think he'll be okay. I, I think this will end up being a good thing. Maybe that's just the everlasting optimistic optimist, optimist. Yeah, optimist in me, but who knows? I don't know. We'll we'll get off that soapbox because I I could I'll, I'll stop using logic and just get upset. Last thing, uh, Jay Sean Tate got the goddamn bag from the Rockets. We love to see it. Um, he had a I think it was like a one point seven million option that was available. And the Rockets declined it because they wanted to sign him to an extension. Um, three years, 22 mil um, for a guy who, a 25-year-old rookie, basically. I mean, he played in two, two countries overseas, played for two different NBA summer league teams before he got a chance. And now he's making over $7 million a year. Absolutely just love, 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 love to see that commitment from the Rockets um, for him. Because the Rockets are, are picking up some, they picked up some pieces in the draft too. Yeah, I mean, you simply cannot, like, basically just feel amazing for Deshaun Tate after what he gave Ohio State after the route he took. You know, it was it was kind of funny because we talked about we'll we'll, we'll obviously get into it later, um, but with with Joey, we talked about Deshaun Tate and whatnot and um, kind of his his path, and we were even talking about you know guys that play of we were talking about the tbt and um you know we said looking at some of the newer guys from ohio state in the nba draft or in the nba sorry and we're like you know you won't see jay sean tate in the tbt we've already seen jay sean tate in the tbt you know that's that's kind of how his his career has shaped out true i don't know if he actually ended up playing because he had covid but i think he he caught covid but he was on a roster he was on a roster but then he he got sick and couldn't play yeah so i mean his his roster his his career has taken just a crazy shape and it's been all, I mean, to get three, like, you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, we talk about contracts and stuff and, you know, we talked about Dwayne, Dwayne Washington just, you know, has one more year with the Pacers at least. And he's making good, great money, you know, 1.6 million a year. Like Deshaun Tate, you're talking seven and a half million dollars a year. I mean, that's like, this is, this isn't just sign a contract money. This is, money this is you playing starter or very high rotation minutes money like this is where you start thinking about second and third contract money so it's just awesome yeah, to see man he'll uh, i checked in on the rockets a lot last rockets season i did that for, to predict but yeah i checked in on them and the pacers a lot last season just i wanted to see how um and the spurs see how like the different buckeyes are doing and i mean he was a starter but the rockets then they they got the lucky ticket and honestly they had the best pick in the draft at number three because if either Chet if uh, if Chet or Paolo like flops basically the Rockets were in a spot where they could just pick the third guy 
who is available and they cannot be knocked for having a bad pick at all yeah. because they'll yeah, be they, like, Hey, they, we just yeah. took, the, we just took the third elite player. You're like, what do you want us to do? But if like Jabari Smith ends up being the best of those three top three guys, then people are going to be like, man, the magic really whiffed by Duke getting, getting Paolo instead of Jabari. So like the Rockets get Jabari Smith with the third pick. Um, and then they got uh, Tari Eason from LSU right at, after the lottery. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's a good they chance. A great, that, they had a great draft. Yeah, there's a good chance that JT still he still starts on that team. And I mean, you're right. Like he's for, he went from playing in TBT to hoping to make fifty thousand dollars at TBT to making seven million a year. Like he is uh, he he's set for life. His his family is set for life. You know, if he ends up having a family, his family his kids are set for life. His kids kids are set for life. Like that that's, that's awesome. That generation that's that generational wealth you talk about. That's what that is. And he's a dude that. Uh, he loves the city of Houston. It seems like he really likes it there. He's a guy that always goes back to Columbus in the summer. You know, he's from Toledo, but also lived in Columbus as a kid for a while. Like he goes back to Columbus and is around the program a lot. He volunteers in the community down in Houston. So, um, Joey, I think Joey actually said the same thing when we talked to him, which we'll get to here in a second. But he just said, "I, I love seeing good things happen to good people." And and yeah, hundred percent. There's no better way to say it. like uh, he's a real good guy. And he worked his butt off, and he earned that one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I could. I just I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm with you. We, I don't know if we got anything else. I think that's all uh, the house housekeeping that we needed to do. Um, so anyway, we talked to Joey. Um, talked to Joey for about half an hour, forty minutes about TBT, a little bit about Ohio State, and then uh, at the end we did talk about Jay Sean and his contract. So really good stuff from Joey. We appreciate him coming on. So. Um, without further ado, here's our interview with Mr. Joseph Lane. All right, everybody, we are joined today by former Ohio State Guard and current host of the Inside TBT podcast, Mr. Joey Lane to talk about this year's basketball tournament and maybe a little bit of Ohio State stuff at the end. Joey, how are we feeling today? We're great. We're great. Little technical difficulties before this, so I'm just glad that we're recording now. I'm happy to talk some hoops. Yeah, you know, when it comes to uh, recording stuff, you know, we're, we, we've said on this podcast a couple of times, we are not uh, geniuses, so sometimes we do run into some issues, but at the end of the day, we always get it figured out. Uh, so, like I said, we're going to start with a little bit of TBT since that's creeping up on us. Kind of pretty quick here. I couldn't believe it was already Fourth of July weekend. Um, and if let's be honest, if someone's listening to to this episode in the middle of July, they're probably at least somewhat familiar with the basketball tournament. But uh, so we don't have to go into the whole spiel of what it is. Uh, aside from the big teams and the you know the big names and whatnot, Joey, uh, what are some sneaky good teams we should look out for this year? Oh man, I think that there's a lot of fun new teams. Uh, a couple that come to mind. Um, Marcus Smart has a team out in the Rucker Park region. Um, Friday beers has a re as a team in the Syracuse region, which is they partnered with armor athlete kind of. So they have like a little bit of a veteran team, a little bit of a new presence as well with some former NBA guys. Um, I think Kansas state is going to have a really good team. They have Jacob Pollan and some other guys from when they were, you know, when they had a great Kansas state team and there's some rumors that Michael Beasley is going to play with them as well. So, um, you know, that's just a few teams off the top of my head. Um, the staples are still really, really good, like uh, like a Syracuse alumni team, Buffalo alumni team, Marquette alumni team, West Virginia alumni team, you name it, guys that have contended 
for years and years and years, but those are a few that stand out as some uh, maybe names that aren't mentioned or directly, you know, the first names that you think of when you think of TBT. Any of those in particular um, that you personally are going to keep an eye on that you think they have like a legit chance to win it? Not, not like Beheim's army or one of the teams that we've seen a lot of, but any of those that you just mentioned that you're like, yeah, that team could, could legitimately win this whole thing. Uh, the beauty of TBT is I just have no idea who's going to win. Uh, some of the best, I'll say this, we're recording this, you know, beginning of July. It's very much subject to change, right? I mean, like guys right. can drop out, guys can get added, you name it. Uh, as it stands right now, I think that there are a few incredible teams like a Syracuse, Team Heartfire, um, the Money team, which is Floyd Mayweather's team that has Jimmer on it, uh, as well as the Friday Beers team, the Buffalo team, uh, Marquette's team. Uh, there are a bunch of really, really, I mean, and I'm and I'm missing some as well. Um, there's so many. Sideline Cancers probably has the best roster of any team, and even, they got two of the five best players in the whole thing. And we haven't even mentioned them. So there's a lot of really, really good teams, which is the the greatest part about TBT. Is um, every day my mind is is changed on who's going to win, um, which is just, I mean, that's why we love hoops. Uh, unfortunately, so Columbus is not a host site this year for the first time since I don't even remember last time that there wasn't TBT games in Columbus, but it is going to be in Dayton, not too far um, from here. Where is TBT going to be sending you and what, what all are you going to be doing with TBT? How much time are you going to be committing to TBT? Um, you know, like what's your role going to be this summer? What a fantastic question. Um, <laughs> So, so as much as I wish I was just a college basketball, basketball in general analyst for the basketball tournament and other outlets, that's not, not my job. Um, I have a job that I go into the office for pretty much every single day. So it's hard to get to the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday games that are going on wherever they are. That being said, the plan is on the weekend to try and get to the Dayton regional as much as I can, the Cincinnati regional as much as I can, and then be at the championship games in Dayton. That is the tentative plan. If I can make it out to West Virginia as well, um, all because those are in driving distance, they're driving distance away, right? Hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours total. Um, I can go to a game in Dayton and be back on um, the same night, right? I can go to Cincinnati and be back the same night. So um that's the tentative plan. My co my co-host Andrew Zolden, who you guys should definitely have on at some point if you want to talk TBT as a, um, in any way, shape, or form, or even Ohio State hoops. He knows just as much, if not more, about Ohio State basketball as I do. Um, he is going to be a little more on site. He works from home. He's a little bit more flexible in his big boy job. Um, so it, uh, we'll be at the same places, kind of switching off, which is no fun for us. But he's going to do the week shift, and I'll do the weekend shift. He's out in Chicago. I'm here in Columbus. So it's a weird dynamic. TBT is the best because they've been so unbelievably gracious in the sense that they know um, they want to send us wherever we can be. And we are pretty straightforward with, hey, our job job comes first. And then we're going to do everything we can uh, outside of that for TBT. And, you know, they've been super awesome when we tell them how flexible we need to be slash want to be. And I'm just, I mean. Can't say enough great things about the tournament itself and the people that run it, which is, I, I guess you guys weren't going to, you weren't expecting an answer about how great the 
the TBT organization is when you ask where I'll be, but the short answer is Cincinnati, Dayton, hopefully West Virginia weekends. I thought, I thought Andrew was at, why did I think Andrew was an Illinois guy? Well, he, why is he, he is an Illinois guy. We're both Illinois guys in the sense that we're from Illinois. Um, but he's not an Illinois fan. Right. He went to Missouri. Um, he, oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. So he went to Mizzou. He grew up a huge um, Ohio State fan, Ohio State football, basketball. We were always kind of friendly with each other because growing up, we went to rival high schools, but we played against each other and blah, blah, blah. You guys know the deal. Um, mm. But that's cool. he, one thing that kept us close was that we were both Buckeye fans, which where we're from in the north suburbs of Chicago, there aren't a ton. Um, there's not a ton of Ohio State fans. So when um, when it was time to kind of do this Ohio State podcast, he's, he's the man, right? So he knows Ohio State as, as well as anybody who hasn't gone to Ohio State that I know. So, uh, But, yeah, he's a Missouri fan first and foremost with a sprinkle of Ohio State in there. Okay. That's cool. I didn't realize you guys went that far back. Um, you know, speaking of Ohio State and Columbus and whatnot, Carmen's crew is not participating for the first time, I believe, since they started the second year, I think. I know they didn't do the first one. I think they started the second year of TVT. Yeah, uh, they're, they're not participating this year. Do you know why that is? Do you, can you speculate why that is? Or is it just they're just skipping the year? Uh, we know we have our thoughts of why, but what yeah, do you would, know anything? I would love to hear why from you guys after I tell you kind of what my thoughts are. And granted, I know a little bit more than you guys do, but I don't need to get into it because that's not fair to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the grand scheme of things, and this is not, and this is not insider information, nor is it like trying to feed you guys something that is like just masking the problem. They're just taking a year off. They have a, they have a lot to figure out. It's a whole new roster. Guys were still playing overseas when it was time to make, um, you know, the roster shake out, right. Guys they've had in the past, uh, weren't going to be playing this year. Guys like Kraft and Diebler and, yeah. you know, Sullinger is not going to play. ET is not going to play, you know, um, guys that they would like to bring in like a Keyshawn Wood, CJ Jackson, you know, guys, who have who are younger with Ohio State were still playing or injured. Uh, David Lighty told me he just wanted to take a year off. You know, Greg Odin's not going to play. Um, you know, I asked Dave when uh, when I found out that Ohio State wasn't going to be, and I said, "Hey, man, do you want me to help you find another team? Like, there's plenty of teams that want, um, you know, you one of the best cards in the entire thing." Uh, and he said, you know, man, it's just been a grind. We're just, I just don't want to, I don't really want to play. There's other things on my plate right now. I think that was kind of the overarching theme was, could they have fielded a team? Sure. But I don't think anybody had their whole heart in it. So take a year off, get it all figured out. Um, bring more guys into the, into the, into the, uh, this, the thick of things next year. What I love is there are still Ohio State guys playing this year. Um, you know, CJ Walker, Caleb Wesson. Costa Kufos, like they have guys on a bunch of different teams, which is great. Um, obviously, I'll be rooting for those guys. Um, you know, it sucks not having an Ohio State team in, but I would love to hear from you guys why why you think there's no team. That was pretty much exactly what we said or we thought was just a pretty much a roster-shaping offseason because I remembered Kraft said he was done and Debo retired after last year, and I thought maybe Lighty did, but I couldn't remember what he said. Maybe he just said kind of what he told you of like, you know, it's, it's a lot. Uh, so, yeah, we, we pretty much just thought it was a roster thing. And also kind of leading into somewhat of our next question, we thought maybe this one might be where the transition of some Mata to Holtman players start to blend in. Um, I don't know if, you know, kind of 
there have been some Holtman players before, but normally it's it's been that core guys of like 2006 to 2011. Right. Um, and then those guys are just getting older. So we thought maybe, you know, it basically, as, as you said, it is just a roster, um, a roster shaping off season kind of thing. We had more concern, I think, than, than you expressed. We, we were wondering if potentially like, if, if some of the younger guys, as in like the very end of, of Mata's time and the beginning of Holtman's time, if, if those guys don't kind of communicate and gather together and replace some of the guys who, like you mentioned, aren't going to play anymore. Like, you know, sounds like Diebler's probably done. Kraft is done. Um, I don't know about Jeff Gibbs. He kind of looks like he's conditioned to play until he's 65 years old, but I don't know about Jeff Gibbs. Um, we were like, if, if some of the guys from kind of your class and the year or two after that are now in their mid twenties, if, if they don't like step up and kind of lock arms with some of the older guys that still want to play, will we even see Carmen's crew moving forward? Like, cause it kind of seems like they're, they're going to need to get some of those younger guys to play as those older guys are like, Hey man, I'm 33, I'm 34. Like, I think I'm not going to play in a month long basketball tournament this year. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem, right? Is like, what guys do you want from, from my era? Right. <laughs> do you want, and there's a, and there's a gap between those eras of like, Exactly. I mean, like Jared Solinger, no offense to these guys, but he's not calling up Trevor Thompson and Mark Loving and Jaquan right. Lionel and these guys, like they have no relationship with the program anymore. You know, they just, they just don't, they, all these guys either transferred or left early or uh, bad taste in their mouth or didn't fit in or whatever it was. And, you know, we still love them all the same. It's just, they're not, like my first, my freshman, sophomore year, right? 15, 16, 17, those three years before Holtman at the end of modest tenure, those teams weren't very close. And the older guys didn't really mess with them because not only did they lose, which at the end of the day, cure winning cures all, but those guys, they lost, but they also were not the best people and didn't work super hard. So like they just didn't resonate with the old guys. The old guys were always like, who, like who is Ohio state basketball right now? This is not what Ohio state basketball is. Granted come junior, senior year, guys like Cam Williams, you know, like guys like him hundred percent would be welcomed back with open arms, right? Keyshawn Wood, CJ Jackson, Caleb Wesson, Andre Wesson, you know, those guys hundred percent could play and they'll figure out if they want to, they're close enough. I mean, I talk to those guys all the time. Like they're close enough that if they wanted to make a team and bridge that gap, they could, um, who knows if they will, um, you know, CJ Walker and, um, you know, I think about maybe like a Seth Towns in the future, maybe a justice suing in the future. Um, you know, you know, maybe who knows, there's so much speculation I could do though. Also the other problem is the Holman era, all the best players are going to be in the NBA for a couple yeah. of years. <laughs> like, like the whole, the guys like, Mata, you know, the TBT started after they had had a chance to make their run at the NBA, right? Whether they played or not. Exactly. Um, and then the Holman guys like EJ Liddell, Malachi Branham are never going to play in TBT. You know, right. K-Debate, Diop, hopefully, Jay Sean Tate are never going to play in TBT. You know, so. And that's the problem is that like the guys at the end of the, uh, not to cut you off, but the guys at the yeah. end of when Mata played is like those guys that either got drafted in the back end or signed as, you know, undrafted and maybe had their cup of tea or tried to make a run at it in the NBA played overseas. Like they've kind of already 
they've already they're done with the NBA clearly. Like they hadn't they made an attempt or they didn't quite cut it. But the guys I feel like from Holtman's time that that either are got drafted in the second round or were close, like they are either still in the league or they still very much have a chance to be in the league. So like those types of players are still trying to be in the league and therefore can't play TBT. Right. It's just such a, it's a weird, interesting dynamic, right? Like would you, you think Duke fans are mad that they don't have a TBT team? Yeah. <laughs> like their whole team is in the NBA. So it's interesting if we could, you know, Dayton and Xavier are different, right? Cause the, the expectation they have four year guys at Ohio state, it's the shift of the expectation is if we don't have guys in the NBA, that that's kind of annoying and frustrating. Right. So maybe you get, you get these guys playing in the back half of their professional career career in the TBT, but that's like 10 years, 12 years down the line. Um, maybe an Ohio sort of team could come up where, you know, we get, you get a taste of Columbus, you get a taste of OU, uh, you know, Dayton guys, maybe keep their own team, Xavier guys keep their own team, but maybe Cincy, they don't have, they, they have a different element, right? They're not as successful in the TBT. So they combine with Ohio state, you know, I don't know. I could see so many different things going on. I just don't know if there's a burning desire because they won already and guys are retiring. I don't know if there's that burning desire to have a Carmen's crew and an OSU TBT team. Um, and there's a, you know, we talked about every factor that goes into that, you know? Yeah. That was actually another thing I was thinking just, you know, we, we talked about a little bit on our, on our last episode, but just in the sense of with them winning in 2019 or something like that, whenever they won is, does that kind of fulfill some type of, you know, would they maybe try harder, the older guys like the ladies or not the, uh, the Deeblers or the crafts to play again, you know, if they hadn't already won. So I was, I was curious about that too. Cause yeah. you know, when you win anything, it's kind of like you want to win again, obviously, but the first time is obviously the sweetest. So I was curious, right. you know, maybe that's in their head as well. Yeah, I think that's a hundred, a hundred percent a factor. When they won it, they were like, "Oh, we don't even know if we're going to play next year." But it was kind of like a, you know, it's an unwritten TBT rule that you just go, you go and you go until you, you lose till you're knocked off the throne, right? I mean, Marquette is still rolling out a team. Um, they won. You know, it's a bait. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Marquette didn't have a team next year for whatever reason, right? Like they won it the year after Ohio State. Um, they played last year and then they play this year. And it's kind of like what Ohio state did, right? They won, they played, they played and now they're, they're out of year. Like that seems to be same thing with overseas elite. They lost, they played another year. Um, they played another year and then they, and now they've kind of fizzled out. And what's, what's cool is like, obviously we miss Ohio state because we're Ohio state fans. Like I'm an alum, like I played for Ohio state, right? I miss having an Ohio state team in the tournament, but TBT as a whole, do they really miss Ohio State? Yes, because it's an awesome alumni base, but there's so many great teams that can take their place. Um, so many teams that are being made each and every year from, you know, teams that are centered around great causes to other alumni teams to other former pro uh, overseas, like all-star teams, right? Like there's so many different options where, Yes, we would love speaking on TBT's behalf, right? You'd love to have Ohio State in because they bring viewership and they bring numbers and they bring fans to games. But it's, you know, just like the NBA would like to have a couple different champions and a couple different great teams and make it super competitive and not a foregone conclusion what teams are going to be in it and what teams are going to compete. I think that that is very relevant to the situation for sure as well. Joey, before 
Justin moves on to his next question. I had a, I had a quick question. If you had any info on a specific guy that we never got to see play with Carmen's crew. And if you don't know, or you don't talk to him, um, that's okay. But he's a Chicago guy, just like you. And he was one of my favorites in high school. Do you know why, or was there ever a chance that we could have seen Sam Thompson with Carmen's crew? I, I definitely think Sam was on the radar, right? I mean, you know, Shannon Scott played last year, Lenzel Smith, Smith played, you know, Keyshawn Woods playing like CJ Jackson and Sam Thompson were definitely on the short list for the next guys. Um, the only reason why I think Sam maybe wasn't considered sooner is because he didn't, he doesn't fill a void necessarily. Right. Like they have Buford and they have lighty, like where's Sam going to play? You know, they're so similar. Um, right. I also think that Sam didn't come back to Ohio State as much as a lot of the other guys did. Keyshawn was back all the time. Lenzel Smith came back all the time. All those guys play all summer together. Like, it almost probably was, like, if Sam was around more, he would have been more top of mind, I think. Um, But, like, I mean, he's had a pretty great pro career. I think he would – I would assume that if they had a team this year, he would be involved, honestly. Um but it's a great question. I, I don't think that they ever overlooked Sam Thompson. I just think that it was a there's a strong possibility that um, it's just not necessary, right? It's just just a little redundant to have a Sam Thompson out there when you have Lighty, you have Buford, even like a Keyshawn Woods, um, even a Lenzel Smith Jr. Right? There's just that. What is what is Sam? I mean, maybe he's a stretch four with them and an athletic foreman for them. I just don't know exactly what he, um, what he brings, you know? I gotcha. And I didn't mean it as a slight to him or like uh, anything no, no. like that. I was just curious because I felt like with the, the wave of players that they had from going back from like the Sully's and the Deshaun Thomas all the way up to like Lenzel Smith, I felt like Sam Thompson was in that same wave of guys. And I was just, I was just curious why, uh, we never ended up saw him. I just thought he was one of the better dunkers in the Big Ten for like <laughs> several years, and I was like, man, it would have been really fun to see him uh, do that um, uh, in in TBT. So, in moving into like this overall aspect of of TBT, what or who are you most excited to watch this summer in terms of just individual players? You kind of already mentioned one that I'm really excited about. Who are you most excited to see though this this year? Yeah, the easy answer is Jimmer Fredette. Yeah, that's all time <laughs> leading scorer in TBT. Um, I mean, everybody grew up wanting to shoot like Jimmer. Uh, he's the easy answer. There's just there's so many great guys. The other guy would be if Michael Beasley ends up playing like that's like must see TV. Like yeah. I think he would go for forty easily. So um, those two guys are 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 my answers for sure. Yeah, that would be Michael Beasley would be very interesting. That would be that, as you said, that would be absolutely must see TV. He's, and I've seen kind of a resurgence. I don't know if it's like a Twitter thing or just even, I just listened to a podcast that had him on. Um, and it was talking about like just kind of, I think people forget what he was at Kansas State and whatnot. Um, I'm a, I'm a Maryland kid, so I know exactly what Michael Beasley is, but, um, yeah, that would be fun to watch for sure. No doubt. I think I may have been accidentally muted when I responded about Sam all of a sudden. And I think before it cut me off, all I was saying was like, it wasn't a slight towards him or anything. He was just, I think the best dunker in the big 10 for like four years. And I was like, man, that'd have been dope to see in TBT. But anyway, mo- moving on from that, um, Joey, your thoughts on the Elam ending just in general, 
Um, I know people talk about hypotheticals with the Elam ending and potentially using it in college basketball or the NBA more. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. My thoughts are pretty simple. I think it's perfect for TBT. I think it's perfect for the all-star game. I think it's perfect for any league outside of the United States. I don't want to see it in college basketball. And I don't want to see it in uh, the NBA regular season uh, unless it's like overtime. Um, simply because I am a traditionalist. I, I like the idea of the game translating from generation to generation as sense that like records are like, you know, if you added a four point line, right? Like no one wants to add a four point line that would screw up a bunch of scoring statistics and um, assists everything. It would mess up a lot of things. That's how I feel about the Elam ending. I think it is incredible. Like I, we have Nick Elam on the show all the time. Um, I've gotten to hang out with him a ton and hear about his perspective on how it all started I think that the Elam ending in TBT is one of, if not the most exciting thing in all of sports, right? I, I just, I, I think it's also important to understand its place and its novelty in the sense that it's perfect for TBT and it's perfect for the all-star game endings. And it's perfect in, you know, the Canadian basketball league where it's been adopted or Australia and some places where it's been adopted, I believe like that's what it's made for. If it gets to mainstream NBA, will I be mad? Absolutely not. Same with the college hoops. I won't be mad. I just like that college hoops is incredible and it's an awesome product already. Um, I don't think it needs to be manipulated. Same thing with the NBA. There's so much, there's so much history and so many statistics that go along with the NBA. I will say meaningless overtime games in the regular season to add some excitement to them and do um, the Elam ending. That would be very, very cool. Obviously the, the best part about the Elam ending is that number one, every shot, every game ends with a made basket, but number two, there's no long minute and a half reviews at the end of the game. And there's not a ton of stoppages and there's not the foul game and all that stuff. So you got to pick your poison. Um, but I'm, there's not many people that are bigger fans of the Elam ending than me and Andrew are on inside TBT. Um, I think that the, the spot it has and the stage it has for the basketball tournament in TBT is perfection. I don't want it to be messed with. I love that it has made its way into the NBA in the, in the capacity it has. And, um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's kind of how I feel. And so there are plenty of leagues out there that are broke and need to be fixed, but the NBA and college basketball, not one of them yet. So that's kind of my stance. I think that's a very fair stance. I think I've been very clear on my show that um, I love, love, love the Elam ending, but I also don't want to go overboard with it. That's kind of how I feel. I don't know how many years it's either been one or two years that the NBA has done at the all-star game, but it was pretty cool. The first year that they did the all-star game. And if you're like scrolling Twitter, all the people that were like, Oh my God, this is so sick. We're going to get like a, a quote unquote, like a walk-off bucket. And then all of, all of us that have like been watching TBT for years and years are just like, we're just grinning. Cause we're like, you guys are really late to this. Come on now. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I, I agree completely. I, I love, the Elam ending in, in the sense of like the TBT and whatnot. I'm not huge on it making its way to college basketball or football, but, or uh, NBA, not college football, but anyway, uh, jumping over, <clears throat> excuse me, jumping over to Ohio state men's basketball. Uh, you know, Joey, you said earlier that you like the TBT because it's unpredictable and it's uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. It's kind of how you can look at Ohio state men's basketball team this year, just with all the new pieces and um, the new freshmen coming in. 
what is just your overall stance on the team? What are your expectations of the team? If there are any right now, and what are some of the who who if one or two of the freshmen are you most excited to watch? Well, I'll answer the last question first so that I don't miss that. Um, pretty pretty clear that I'm excited for Bruce Thornton because any point guard is just so important. A freshman player of the year in his state, like just that's just so exciting. He's a tough, physical, strong point guard. I'm just clearly not a one-and-done type guy, which, I mean, if he is, then Ohio State's going to have a really great year, so that's Mm -hmm. fine. But that's the first guy I'm excited for. I mean, point guards with Chris Holtman are so unbelievably important, and you've seen that point guards have had a ton of success with him. Um, The other guy is the guy who scored 1,000 points in that Kingdom Summer League game, Bryce Sensabaugh. Um, That's who, when I was hosting 97-1 The Fan a couple weeks ago, we had Coach Holtman on. And I asked him, you know, I said, coach, you know, me, you know what I like, you know, what style of basketball is fun for me, who is going to be my favorite freshman. And he said, Bryce Sensabaugh. Um, And I can see it now. Uh, I mean, he's definitely got to shed some weight, which who knows, maybe that's what makes him so great. He's got like that Zion type build, right. Where you're like, how does this guy elevate off the ground? Oh my God, his head is touching the backboard. Um, So like his game, he's so athletic. He can shoot it. He plays off the dribble. He's a great passer. He's rebounds the ball. Well, plays great defense. Those two guys I'm super excited for. I think that those are the two guys who are going to contribute the most, maybe a Roddy Gale as well. Um, In terms of the rest of the team, the outlook, I mean, it's just crazy. 12% of our scoring returns yet. We have one of the most talented rosters in the entire big 10. I think that, the greatest thing about Chris Holtman and his five years here is that it seems like the NCAA tournament is almost a foregone conclusion, regardless of what the roster makeup is, which is awesome. And something that Ohio state fans cannot take for granted. Um, I will never take it for granted because I missed the tournament two two of my four years. Right. So um, I think that the expectation is for this team to make the NCAA tournament and compete for a big 10 regular season championship. Do I think they're the favorite? Absolutely not. Do I think if they got a, Top four seed, a four seed, a double seed, a double buy, a double buy, and awesome for a year. Um, for me, I think it all. Everyone could talk about the new faces and how important they'll be. The oldest new face is Justice Suing, right? I feel like we're getting a transfer in him as well, just because we haven't um, gotten, you know, we haven't had him in a year, right? We had a year off of him. The offense, assuming he's 100% healthy, which it doesn't seem like he is quite yet, the offense will run through him. He'll have the ball in his hand a ton. That's what it was supposed to be last year, even with guys like EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham on the team. Um, that's what I'm most excited for, to see his jump and make. And assuming he's healthy. Uh, the other unknown and excited thing I, I on my radar is Zed Key. I think he's got to make a jump from to make it to be like a 14-point scorer, eight rebounds a game type of guy because we all know that the center position is so unbelievably important in the Big Ten. You look at Hunter Dickinson and obviously Kofi Coburn last year and uh, EJ slash Kyle Young on our team, right? The center position is so important. Um, I could go on and on and on. Uh, Obviously, the last piece of the puzzle is those three upperclassmen transfers. How much will they contribute, right? Isaac likely is going to play a ton and handle the ball a ton. Um, Sean McNeil is going to be needed to shoot at a high level and score 10 to 12 points a game like he did at West Virginia. 
And then Tanner Holden scored 20 points a game and like 30 points in the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's fair to expect him to score that much at Ohio State because it's just such a different level. But he's going to be uh, counted on to be that guy with Justice Suing um, and Sean McNeil most likely, at least to start, right? Be that scoring punch on the wing, that stretch four. Um, I love that there's going to be the ability that we'll have to play, uh, you know, Isaac Likely, Bryce Sensabaugh, Justice Suing, um, maybe a Tanner Holden and like a Sean McNeil, all five together and switch everything is really exciting to me. The team is going to be very, very fun. Um, but I think it all comes back to Justice Suing. How healthy is he and how much uh, can he contribute? Because he's the guy, man. Like everything that I was told from when he got here, he is a stud. Um, and we saw it for flashes. So that that's the guy that I think really, you know, you know, you look at it, it could it could lean one way or the other depending on on how he does this year and how healthy he is. Joey, last question. We Joey, have about question. we have about uh, maybe three and a half minutes left here. Um, it's not even really a question, more of a chance for you to kind of talk about and be proud of one of your former teammates that I know you you know him very well. Um, Jay Sean Tate just signed his three-year, twenty-two million dollar um, his new contract with the Rockets this week. Um, so we all kind of know about the journey he's taken from when he was younger all the way till now. Um, talk to us about your boy JT a little bit, what it was like being his teammate, what he's going to provide for the Rockets for the next couple of years. Oh man. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. I mean, I consider him like a brother, like all my teammates for the most part, but he was special just cause he was, um, the ultimate teammate in terms of a few different things, vocal leader, but also like the dude just played through everything, never questioned anything, played as hard as he possibly could have fe- faced as much adversity in terms of injuries and losing as any guy that I can imagine that plays in the NBA right now. Um, his journey throughout his professional career, just being doubted and at every single phase of high school, college and NBA, and just producing at a high level. Uh, it, it's just remarkable. I mean, it's just a great guy uh, who I care about a ton, who I fortunate enough to introduce him to his agency that he works with now. So I've been able to stay in better touch with him, but like it all comes back to my time at Ohio state. Like he believed in me as a basketball player and as a person, as a leader in a way that not a lot of guys did or had to do to, for a walk on. Um, he saw a guy in, in me who, uh, he knew that I cared at a really, really high level, um, that I worked my butt off and that I was a pretty darn good player yet stayed the course and never complained and never ever was about myself, um, which he was the exact same way. So we resonated together in that sense. Um, so to see all his hard work pay off and all the stuff behind the scenes that um, I learned about him from my time at Ohio state, like it's just, it's a testament to hard work and it's a testament that, you know, good things happen to good people and he deserves it. Um the Rockets get an unbelievable player, an unbelievable guy, a guy who could guard every single position and play every single position on offense, which who cares about JT as the basketball player. He's proved that all his life. It's just, he's a, he's a tough minded individual, a guy that I'm lucky to consider a friend and a teammate and an awesome ambassador for Ohio state basketball. That that's, that's for sure as well. Well said, well said. Yes. That's, I mean, we couldn't close it on a better little statement than that. Uh, all right, Joey, that's all we got for you today, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. One of our only two two-time guests and also 
for people listening from the start, our first guest ever. So it's awesome to have you on pretty much this time last year. So it's awesome to have you on again. Uh, appreciate it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, fellas. Anytime you want me on to be to be your first third, I'm here for it. So let me know. This was a blast. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll be signing a $22 million contract next time we're, we're together. We will definitely have you on uh, when that happens. And just real quick before, <laughs> before, uh, so that people can find you, because I know you got a lot, you got a lot of uh, stuff going on and some really fun stuff. Where can the people find you? Where are your podcasts? What are you doing right now? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, at Joey smoke 14 on Twitter, that's the best place to find me social media wise at inside TBT is, is the name of the TBT show at drive the lane pod on Twitter for the drive the lane podcast, which is an Ohio state uh, podcast, which, you know, a little inside information is basically going to be a big 10 show this year, just to kind of spread the, spread the wings a little bit. So um, that's where you can find me Um, tweet at me. I always respond. You guys know that pretty well. So yeah, again, thanks, fellas. This was a blast. And anytime you want me, I'm, I'm happy to come on. This was this was very fun. All right, we appreciate it, Joey. Good luck this month and have fun out there. Thank you very much. You guys too. We'll talk soon. Thanks again to Joey for joining us today. Um, he and Joe Gemma will have to like put gloves on and have a steel cage match so we can pick which Joe will be our first three-time guest. Um, If you found us on the website, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever it is that you uh, get your music and podcasts so that when we put out new episodes, you'll be notified. Um, We are under the Land Grant Holy Land feed. Yeah, and um, you can find us on Twitter, our Bucketheads account, Bucketheads LGHL. I want to point out we have officially been followed by Ohio State Hoops Twitter account, so I'm not saying we're official, but we're official. Um, and then my own Twitter account is Justin underscore Golba. Connor, where are you? Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it is Lamans, which is L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, went a little long this week, but that's okay. Um, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.